G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, apparently, <laughs> not really. Um, and the God of the Old Covenant is this brutal, bloodthirsty, dictatorial, you know, maniacal, any nasty, vicious name that you can come up with, and it's not the case at all. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. Daniel was a righteous man. He was a prophet and gifted with interpreting dreams and messages from God. But not many people equate Daniel with being a man of prayer. In this program, we're going to be learning some really important points about the way Daniel prayed. You know, I... I've seen a number of different movies or even cartoon interpretations of um, of the prophet Daniel and what he was life in, it, like. And he's in all of these, they, he was kind of perfect, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of think, oh, he would have been a fun guy to um, to have got to know. But he apparently had this habit of praying by an open window. Got him into trouble with some of the yeah, jealous right. guys at one stage. But Daniel really loved the word of God. And he had to be, if he was a prophet, he needed to know the word of God. So one day, if you get this picture in your head, he's kneeling maybe by an, um, or sitting by an open window and he's reading his Bible, not like we have. It would have been a scroll. Mm. And so he's reading his Bible. And it was right at that time that he suddenly had this moment of understanding of what God was saying about him and the rest of his people, the Jewish people who were living in captivity in Babylon, they were the Babylonian exiles. And he suddenly had this epiphany about mm. what was going on. Well, we read about this in Daniel chapter 9, the first few verses. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. So he's reading his Bible and he goes, oh my goodness, (laughs) 70 years was how long we were supposed to be in Mm. captivity. He's counting on his fingers and he goes, it's almost 70 years. Time's up. Time's up. And now you get a we're going to look at how Daniel prayed, but you get a little bit of an inkling about how he prayed because it says that he was going to seek God by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Mm, it so gives is, you a bit of a hint. It's pretty genuine. It's not just a, a flippant little yeah, one-sentence prayer, is it? Precisely. But he, he was reading the book of Jeremiah, and this is what he read. So this is Jeremiah 29, verse 10. It says, Thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I'll visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. He'd say, again, Daniel's just realized 70 years mm. is almost up. Now, if that was you, you were about to get out of exile or banishment or whatever, what would you do? If you're in captivity, mm. what would you do? And you go, hang on, we've, we've, we've got 60 days and we're out of yeah. here. Well, I guess the temptation would be just to sort of throw your hands up and go, 
you're a beauty. It's almost time and just, you know, relax. Yes. But he didn't. He did the exact opposite of that, didn't he? He did the exact opposite. Now, when we read about that, we often don't go further because if you keep in context, Jeremiah 29 verse 10, where he says, Captivity, 70, 70 years is nearly up and I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to remember, I'm going to bring you back. But then... If you keep reading, there's a passage of scripture that we like to quote for ourselves, but in its context, this is about something completely different. Mm. Well, of course, it's one of the most favorite of all memory yes. verses, isn't it? Uh-huh. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And it goes on to say, then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I'll restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. So this was a promise to the Jewish people. Remember, God actually sent the remnant to save them, to keep them safe and protected. He sent Mm. them into exile into Babylon for 70 years. The rest of Jerusalem and the the, the population in Israel, Judah and Jerusalem were decimated. Mm. The land was decimated. But the the secret here is is where God says, when 70 years are up, I'm going to bring you back. And if you seek me, if you pray to Mm. me, then if you earnestly do it, I'll hear you and I'll reward you and I'll bring you back. So what did Daniel do? Mm. He did just that. He did exactly that. He didn't sit back at all. But it's really interesting that when you look at how he prayed, if you go step by step through and you look at the quality of his prayer, you see something quite unique. First of all, there's some interesting things that Daniel didn't do. He didn't try to he didn't try to fix the world to make it better. He didn't ask God to destroy wicked leaders. He didn't try binding anything or taking over anything. He wasn't exerting his authority. What did he do? He First of all, he honoured God for the covenants and promises that he'd made. Mm. He honoured God. He also um, thanked God for the loving kindness that God had extended toward him and his people in the fact that he saved them. We look at the fact that he went; they went into captivity as a punishment, and it was part of the punishment, but it was the salvation of his people yeah. to have them there. It was a protection. So they were in a foreign land under a foreign king who was pretty nasty dude for the most part, but that was the salvation of the Jewish people, having them in Babylon. Then went on and confessed the sins of his people. I mean, judgment was almost over. 70 years is almost up, and he's confessing the sins of his people. Now, why would he do that? He was saying, oh, we reject the lying prophets who were trying to tell us the wrong thing. But by declaring and confessing, the sins of his people and their guilt, then he was actually honouring God to say that you actually treated us the way we should have. Mm. You did the right thing. Your judgments, your your punishments, your consequences, they were all righteous and they were all good. If you look, his entire demeanour was to honour God, admit the sin and to be in repentance. And then you could see like right back the very first passage that you read was where he was going to pray with prayer and supplication, fasting, sackcloth and ashes. That is the picture of somebody who is repentant, remorseful and sorrowful mm. for what had been done. 
It could have sat back and said, well, we've paid our dues. It's all done now. I can just sit back, relax, fold my arms, stick my feet up and a couple of weeks and we'd be back on our way to Jerusalem. But he didn't. Mm. His attitude was completely the opposite of that. We've mentioned before how people can often accuse God of being brutal and heartless, particularly as I read these old covenant passages. Yeah, yeah, they do. But you know, that's not the case. You know, God's compassion can be seen through this passage, but really, as Daniel confessed that God had been righteous and good in his dealings with them, that was when this breakthrough came about. Even though God had promised it years earlier, it was Daniel's confession and his repentant attitude that actually made it come into effect. Absolutely. It was only a number of programs where we, we looked at whether God is good because Jesus is gentle, Jesus meek and mild, apparently, <laughs> not really. Um, and the God of the Old Covenant is this brutal, bloodthirsty, dictatorial you know, maniacal, any nasty, vicious name that you can come up with. And it's not the case at all. In fact, it was those judgments and those consequences for the sin and rebellion of his people that actually brought about the sorrow and repentance. You see that in Daniel. There they have been saved, rescued, sent into Babylon, um, living away from their beloved Jerusalem and their homeland, the inheritance of their people. And as soon as Daniel realizes that, hey, we're going to be going home soon, this is time to get on our faces and Mm. get real before God and to confess the fact that we're here by our own choice, by our own doing, there's a consequence. And the fact that God sent us here was right. It was just. He's honoring God for his covenants, for his promise, for his blessing, for his protection and and even to the point where he's thanking God for the punishments that they all received because it's resulted in their salvation. Mm. And eventually the promise of a future and a hope back in the land of their ancestors and the inheritance that God had promised them because mm. God keeps his promises. That's right. Yeah. He keeps his word. It's a great reminder that Daniel modeled a prayer life that we can emulate in our own lives. But praying righteously, mm. you know, that it's actually not all about us and all of the the, the benefits that we want. But it's about being real and open and honest and confessing the fact that usually the messes we end up in are of our own doing. (laughs) And when consequences unfold before us, we should be thanking God that those things are actually the very thing that brings about the repentance and the restoration of our relationship with God. Well, thanks for joining us again today on Foundations. Next time we're going to be exploring faith and works and looking at the way that they interplay with each other. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.